looking at the life of one of the most infamous serial killers of all time, recently thrusted back in the news due to a Netflix documentary series and a very sexy face. Of course, tonight we are doing part two on infamous serial killer, unibrow tithead, Ted Bundy, right here this week on Death Metal Buddy, you bitch! It's your birthday. Burr, 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 birthday. Ding a ding ding ding. Oh, dude! I, I, <laughs> hey, and I got it. You know what I did today at your house before we left? You fucking shit! You always shit at my house. Oh no, somebody else shit and left it there, but I didn't <laughs> yeah. do it. Yeah, it's so funny. But I went back in your bedroom to your bathroom, used your deodorant. <laughs> Are you fucking serious? Dude? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday. You really did? No, nah, man. <laughs> Yo, dude, fuck you, man. I'm kicking your fucking ass for your birthday. I'm, you're going to eat that deodorant. I can't wait to unwrap that gift. <laughs> you use my fucking deodorant, man? No, nah, man. You would, but that's what you do. No. That's the. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. That's exactly that. <laughs> You're going to be smelling it tonight. Did he do it or did he not? I hate you. Yo, fuck you. (laughs) Fuck your dumbass birthday, you stupid bitch. How old are you? I'll be 31. I think my voice is gone. 31, man. (coughs) Yeah, sorry. I've been doing fucking radio DJ voice. Yeah. Macho Man. Mm -hmm. Diamond Dallas Page. Yep. It's blown. And we got a, a hour of podcasting to do. Then we got 10 record reviews to do. Oh, fuck my ass. Well, hey, we're glad to have you guys listening to Death Metal Dicks. And listen to me for one second. I had a moment of clarity. I'm going to do some plugging up at the tippy top. <clears throat> now, best thing you can do for us as an entity. I know you enjoy this podcast because you're here with us. And just for that, we thank you times 10 billion. You're the best. You rule. You make our lives better. Uh, if you want to do a little bit more than that on the free side of things, you could get onto iTunes, you could go to the review section, you can hit us with a five-star review, and if you type anything in, like, uh, fuck my butt, uh, we'll get it on there and it'll help us out a ton in the rating system and the eventuality of, of doing tours and shit like that so we can show people that our fans are motivated to punch buttons. Uh, two... <coughs> We got a new sponsor, Warlord Clothing, or really our only sponsor. Or is it even a sponsor? We got a thing worked out with Warlord Clothing. I mean, technically. And they yeah. uh, they have been so cool as to uh, carry our shirts in their web store. So you just go to warlordclothing.com, type in Death Metal Dicks, and you can get one of our two logos, the Slam Style logo or the Death Metal Dicks classic. Um, I think the, they have it labeled as a black metal logo. but Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, and you just uh, select what you want. You can get a t-shirt, a tank top, a hoodie, a long sleeve. Girl shirt. Girl shirt. Their prices are incredibly reasonable. You know, we're not trying to make money on this shit. We just want to get it, get it out there. Uh, and, and if you like it and you want to wear a shirt, then that's the fucking coolest thing in the universe to us. So they're very fairly priced. The t-shirt's 13 fucking bucks and it's on ring spun cotton. It's great. It's a badass deal. So hop on there, get it, take a picture in it, 
hit us up on Instagram or Facebook. If, also, if you could follow us on social media, that would rip. I know that it's all metal people that listen, and uh, we shy away from that, and I respect the hell out of it. But if you're on there, we're Death Metal Dicks on all social media. Yep. Uh, and then if you really want to fucking kick into gear and get on the team with the guys, you can get on patreon.com backslash deathmetaldicks. Don't pay attention to the tiers because that's something you have to do. And we locked into it before we really knew what the hell we were doing. And you can't go back and change it. You got to stick with the formula. And they just leave you in there, you know? So, you know, we're working on coming up with some different cool shit for Patreon. But basically, at the end of the day, you're just donating, keeping our lights on so we can do shit like get t-shirts and we can do shit like uh, get a website. We need that still. A fucking year in, we've <laughs> been looking for it. I mean, we got the domain, but it needs to get built. So we got to do stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it costs fucking money to put your podcast on all the platforms. So, you know, if you really feel like chipping in, that'd be fucking tight. But it's not a big deal to us. Just listening is a, is a fucking incredible for us. So thank you for doing yeah. that. Thank you for being here with us tonight. And uh, we're going to get into some serious subject matter now. You know, last week with Ted Bundy. Um, we followed the line where we kind of got acquainted with him. We saw what his childhood was like. He's a possible product of incest. And if not, the family was sketchy enough that he ended up going through the route of being born in an unwed mother's birthing center, tough childhood, no good male role models, and uh, was wayward, not really clicked with people, got into weird pornography at a young age. Just started developing his path. Uh, wanted to be a successful person. Already showing signs of psychopathy, narcissism. Really buckling down on making himself an entirely different person by way of manipulating his own personality. And he's already been through a serious relationship and a marriage and cheating on his partners with one another at the young stages of his marriage. So we're kind of catching up at the end of of Ted Bundy's college years into his professional life and uh, getting into the the brunt of his murdering, which is what we're all here for. Let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah. It's terrible that people died, but it happened, and it's interesting to know about. And that's why you fucking true crime freaks are out there rubbing it. Rubbing it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't get chafed like us. Yeah, I got I to gotta drink some water. You got anything to say, buddy? It's your fucking birthday, man. Congrats. Happy birthday. Yeah. 31 fucking years old. I didn't think I was going to make it to 30, dude. I actually went to my high school. The other day they reached out because my job. They were like, you know, we got some kids you can talk to, whatever. And I ran into yeah. my old English teacher. Yeah. And she goes, is that Buddy Lloyd? I go, yeah. She's like, you're still alive. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, Shout out to Miss Groves. She's cool as fuck. Miss Groves? Yeah, Miss Groves. Oh, yeah. She uh, fucking introduced me to the subhumans. She was into some punk shit. Yeah, I had a cool punk teacher, too. He had a fucking Carl Pan's Ram tattoo. That's tight. Is it? No. He, but you know, he it's was cool, like, but it's not. He was on that Gigi Allen shit big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, he kind of switched gears and got into like Screeching Weasel, which is how I found out that type of music fucking sucks. Yeah. Uh, it was through him. So shout out to him. Wherever the fuck he's at. <sighs> yeah. I'm ready. To, oh, this is my fucking 10th wedding anniversary on Friday. Friday. Yeah. <laughs> 10 years of wedded bliss. Covered in piss. Yeah. Nah, it's been a fucking hard Yeah, man. It's been man. awesome, man. 
Uh, my wife's real cool just for marrying me. <laughs> you yeah, know for sure. Hey, listen. I got problems. She married Big Chris. Problems. She married Chris. She hated me for a while, and then she is like, oh, shit. It's, you know, she loves me now. Man, she didn't hate you, dude. She hated me. Nah. She, she told my wife she used to hate me. Yeah. But she did. Well, she didn't cool. tell me, though. You know what I'm nah, saying? That's man. good. No, no, no. no. She, she, she knew I was important. But you were wild as fuck then, though. You were off dude, the chain. I was You gone. were loose. Man. You were yeah, out. Yeah, you checked. Yeah. You took a fucking... Uh, you know what? You know what is uh, the time that she probably hated you was when you were at peak. Fu- you were like at legitimately insane. Yeah, taking Xanax a bunch. Oh yeah, I had to go to your house at fucking four thirty a.m. one time after oh, being gone man. for a whole weekend for a fucking. Oh no, I wasn't even on Xanax then. Katana suicide attempt. Well, I'm just I'm framing why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's cool. Yeah. yeah. But I'm just explaining like there's I took like six hits of acid. There's probable cause. There's yeah. probable yeah, cause. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I can see why. She liked me after that was before that. No, she remember you guys like rate yeah. you you rate me you throw fuck me with a slice of pizza where I snuck in your house and try to steal some pizza slices. No, I don't remember that. And then it's on her what happened now? It was whenever I was uh, <laughs> living with uh, living in the duplex with you guys in Jacksonville, and I snuck in there and I saw some pizza. <laughs> I like saw it from the screen door, and I snuck in, and you saw me, <laughs> and you fucking you did a double leg, and you took me down, and then you started th- you like, you want some pizza, and I had it in my hand, and you took it out and threw it face fucking me with it <laughs> that's what you get <laughs> sausage and cheese <laughs> yeah but you broke into my house i didn't break in it was unlocked. you just said you did it was unlocked man you're the one that said you broke in i was hungry <laughs> my landlord was also my fucking uh roommate yeah and we stole his fucking mustang I had a yeah. bunch of change in it with hell the rallies yeah. hell yeah dude <laughs> Got some chili cheese fries on your tibet, on your fucking bell. Yeah, that's how I learned to drive stick shift. Yeah, man, was that day? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I never drove before. He had this dumbass Mustang, a V six. Yeah. I don't even. I don't know. I don't know shit about cars. What's right? funny is I was driving, but you were stick shifting. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, hilarious, yeah, yeah, man. yeah. Yeah, I was just like, I gotta put it where it doesn't grind, so we can move to get to rallies. Which, if you're not familiar with the South, is a delicious. Well, it's actually pretty fucking gross. <laughs> They got dope fries. Fry City, bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like it's the Popeye style fry where it's a battered French fry. But anyway, enough about us fucking hoodlums. Let's talk about the hoodlum Ted Bundy. Uh, yeah, and I'm just we're free. I'm drunk. I'm hammered. Good. It's been a while. Yeah. I didn't drink for like three weeks, and now I'm fucking hammered. It's your birthday, and uh, we're gonna get through some serious topics. So if you're not drunk right now, I highly suggest. You get a nice cold buzz because it gets pretty fucking crazy, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. If you guys got some sick time tomorrow and you're like, oh, I got to work tomorrow. I can't get drunk, man. Just call in. Call in, bitch. Call Listen in. to a, I'm listening. It's call your boss. I actually found out that if you call into work and just say you're sick, you can't get fired. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, your, your job has some type of grace period. Yeah. So just tell them you're sick. You're listening to a sick podcast on your day off. Tight. Let's bond it, my guy. This shit is uh, getting to where... Uh, now, last week I told you we were crossing over into some territory where there there was probably his first murders. Now, again, Ted never said, hey, I did this. He said he did this. He referred to himself in the third person. So that way, he never, in his mind, implicated himself. We all know... The jig was up. He did it. Everyone knew he did it. 
And he had to go back and explain how it happened. So that's what we're going through. And there was a couple of deaths that were never confirmed that really synced up with what Ted Bundy was doing. And then some that were confirmed that synced up that we kind of glazed through last week. So the first one type of violent crime he committed is he claimed that third person Ted Bundy did his first physical crime by kidnapping a girl in Ocean City, New Jersey. Now, remember, born on the East Coast, moved to Washington, right? Yeah. So before his family went away in 1969, he had already kidnapped a girl, which makes sense to me because you remember he talked about he was a loner, looking at um, detective novels, smut magazines, pornography, and trying to read any type of thing that he could about violence, whether it was fiction, nonfiction. He wanted to know about the most depraved parts of society that he was able to know about. That is what Ted Bundy was into. So if he ever got the opportunity, the way that his brain was working, he took it up on it. So he says that, and like we discussed last episode, you can't always take what Ted Bundy says as truth because he's very manipulative and he's got reasons for framing his life certain ways at different times. So according to him, 1969, kidnapping, first murder, 1971, right after he moved into Seattle. Now, Ann Rule who was his first biographer, who, remember, worked with him at the crisis center, believes that Ted Bundy actually started murdering people in his teens. There's a school of thought that believes because of the amount of unsolved murders in the time period that Ted Bundy was active, even though there was other serial killers, Mm -hmm. that Ted was possibly responsible for over 100 murders. Yeah. Most lines of thought, including the legal, the legally, the legal, I'm trying to say legality. Yeah. But it's the wrong word to use right now. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the the legal ramifications were for thirty murders. Is what, but what essentially record keeping would leave us with is thirty. I can kind of, I, I think I can kind of debate the fact that he would probably kill somebody in his teens, only because you're uh, you're way more sexually motivated and way more impulsive in your teens. Right. So you would have done, you probably would have done a lot more um, than suspected. And you're not that fucking smart when you're a teenager. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. You're not. Yeah. There's very few and far between. This motherfucker. The only argument I would have for that is that even if you're, you know, you're not fully cognitive developed, you don't know how to cover your shit up. 1960s. Yeah. It's not like we're doing top notch police work. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, If something happened in the area, he would be the last person that they would suspect. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then he moved away from the area. So really. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't know, but that, that that's just my conflicting idea that if it did happen, I could see how he got away with it. Because he got away with shit that, you know, his first murder, he would have never gotten away with. When was fingerprint technology invented? Like, when were they able to do that? Was that the I don't know 80s? when it was invented. Well, in the 70s, they had yeah. finger. I, th- I mean, I think they had it before. I think the 70s is DNA, actually. The yeah. 70s is when they started using DNA, but it was very crude and took forever and it was highly inaccurate. It wasn't like the if the court had it, it was basically circumstantial. Yeah. I think fingerprinting dates back to like the 40s. Okay. However, it's not like they had the good technology where they could zoom in with ultra high definition and pinpoint two fingerprints together. Well, um, you know, we can, we can actually yeah. have our producer, Mark, pull it up. And if you're watching the show on YouTube... You'll be able to see how we see in real time, but uh, yeah, it, it's old. Well, well but I think it is, is is 
Uh, when was fingerprinting invented? What, 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 uh, yeah. yeah. When did fingerprinting start? Well, I'm thinking, you know, even if he was a teenager, because I think at this point he had gotten into some trouble and been to jail even in high school. So they would right. have a record of his fingerprints. For theft, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They would probably fingerprint him. But also, you know, I just, you know, he's so clean cut and shit. I don't think uh, 1892 is when fingerprinting okay. started. So we're way the fuck off. But anyway, yeah. but I, I also don't like, you know, in the 60s also like until Charles Manson came along the idea of serial killer killing wasn't really out there yeah. you, you it was like if someone died they start looking at people that they knew well it was really it started uh with um, what's the the fucking co-ed killer what's his name uh Edmund Kemper yeah that, that's when they started interviewing uh people for serial killers yeah and, the FBI uh, yeah and, FBI and, try, and profiling people yeah and now so, the idea was out there yeah. but but exactly well psychiatry was kind of a newer thing it wasn't yeah. it was it was really far behind honestly right, right, and then right. the FBI got involved in that and they're really the ones that coined the term serial killer yeah and so uh Whenever this started happening, you know, the big bang in America was was this time period all the way up to the 80s. Sure. We, we produced more serial killers than any other country. Wasn't Canada pretty close, surprisingly? Um, yeah, Canada. And then, you know, Europe had, had oh, some Russia. too. Yeah. Uh, another, yeah. You, you don't know what the fuck was going on in Eastern yeah. Europe. There was probably some ill shit yeah. that there was never. Uh, <clears throat> but, yeah, I mean, he, he certainly could have gotten away with it. Now, when Ted was 14 years old... It would have been 1961. Eight-year-old Anne-Marie Burr was murdered in the area. Now, of course, Bunny says he knows nothing about that. But what we know from going through serial killers is a lot of times they don't want to talk about their first kill. It's often a very innocent person, like a child, you know, like uh, Dennis Rader, uh, for example, uh, and, and John Wayne Gacy. Both of their first murders, they would never cop to, even though they were very open about everything else, never admit to the crime that they very likely committed just wouldn't talk about it. So it could fit in with that. It could not, you know, it's a theory. So it, it, it's interesting to think about that. Perhaps Ted Bundy started at a very young age. I could believe it. And I could definitely see how it wouldn't happen, but I like to think, you know, what we're trying to do is just get inside the head. Yeah. And when does it happen? What I'm, makes it happen? I'm on the fence about it. I mean, I just, I just know yeah. like when you're a kid, you are just trying to come. Dude. Right. And if your thing is dead bodies, that's your thing. Absolutely. You know, if you, like it's, he admitted, in, like when we talked in the last episode, he was like, you know, looking for porn in the different trash bins and shit like that. And then he's getting into BDSM and all that along the way. And it's like when you're that young and you get into that, it graduates, you know? Yeah. It's one thing if you're like, you know, older and yeah. that's your thing. Well, that's what I've always kind of wondered about Ted Bunny too, with the ramp up, because basically if we look at it, like he didn't do anything in his younger years. He jumped in at 27 years old in 1974. Yeah. He never stopped. Yeah. 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 He like, because we, you know, a lot of serial killers that we've looked at and then other ones that we haven't yet throughout the course of history, they have periods where they go through a spree and then it, it, whether it's the police start to catch on to them or they know that they need to take a break so they can get away with it for a while yeah. or their urges are satisfied for a period of time. Yeah. They take breaks in yeah. between their sprees of killing. It's usually, you know, kill three or four people. BTK. Not the, not the case with him. It, you know, it doesn't seem like that. It, it gets like worse. That. Absolutely. It gets worse. Yeah. And, I, mean, you, I mean, but there's other other cases like Richard Ramirez yeah. where he just went on a fucking rampage. Yeah. Just got worse and worse and worse and progressively just tried to ramp himself 
himself up and see how depraved he could actually yeah. get and present himself to be. So, but he, during his breaks is when he would work himself up to do it. I yes. mean, he had a he had breaks and Tidman didn't. Yeah, well, okay, well, Richard Ramirez had breaks, but not very long. In no. in comparison, like Dennis Rader, for example, who I keep going back to because he's like a clean cut, church going dad. Yeah, Th- that's the reason why he was hard to track down because he was in the church. Just a regular fucking bald, bifocal-wearing dork that you would never expect to be that type of monster. So, if you look at Dennis Rader, he killed a bunch of people and then took, like, what, 12 years off? Maybe. Yeah, but there was a profile at that point. Sure. So, so, there was no need to take a break. Right. During this time period, everybody's trying That's to figure correct. it out. Right, right, know? right, right, right. So. Yeah, so, okay, so let's just, 27 years old. This is his first official legally known attack, January of 1974. This is when Bundy broke up with Brooks. He got fucking enraged and really wanted to just be who he was, get inside of himself, be the animal that he knew he could be. He enters the basement of Karen Sparks. Uh, she was also known as Joni Lentz, Mary Adams, and Terry Caldwell, which seems super weird, but she was a uh, stripper. So that's, that's the aliases. She was a University of Washington student. Ted breaks into her basement apartment shortly after midnight, rips a metal chunk off of her bed frame. So he, had, he doesn't come in with a weapon, doesn't have a plan. He knows he's going to commit this act, mm-hmm. but he, he just went in barehanded, which is insane. No, the, the, uh, yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of a compulsion at this point. It's a, uh, that he was so sexually turned on. That it became his compulsion to kill because he found the woman attractive. That's what I. That's what I think happened. Yeah. He ripped the fucking knob off a of bed. Well, she doesn't actually. Yeah, and, and he doesn't actually kill her. I mean, no. may as well have. Yeah. But you know, this is one of those things where it's such a ferocious crime. Yeah. Police have no idea what yeah. to look for. So he just comes in, rips this circular piece off the bed, bludgeons her to what he basically thinks is to death because. She is doing the the uh, like bloody raspy breathing, yeah. And then he sexually assaults her with himself and the metal rod, which just completely, yeah. I mean, it's as it's as horrible as anything you could ever think of. Well, you think about it like a uh, improvised weapons classes, which is really the only self defense shit that works. Now hold on a second. That's why it is improvised. Yeah, weapons classes. Yeah, that's where, real. Where does one come across this? I mean, I'm sure that you could find it anywhere, but that's the only thing that works. It's a, it's more of a mindset. There's no technique you what can are learn. You talking about? There's no technique you can learn <laughs> for self defense. You can't go take a taekwondo class and go kick somebody's this ass. This is a real thing. This is a real thing, and it has statistics that prove that it works. <laughs> Improvised, yeah. Weapons classes. Wasp spray. Fucking taking the back thing of a toilet tank and just beating the fuck out of somebody with it. Kitchen knives. That's real shit. That works. Yeah, not but all the time, you know. But it should does. it really? Come on. But that, what I'm saying is that was an improvised weapon he used to kill somebody. Definitely, it fucking worked. I mean, she didn't die, but yeah, I mean, she you was know. severely mentally. He was inf- able to come, wasn't he? <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it just, to me it illustrates his depravity because most of the time. You know what he knew what he was doing. Yeah, he knows he's going to commit a brutal attack, mm-hmm. and he went in naked. Yeah, no weapon. Yep, just found one. Yep, that is a level of self confidence and insanity that you just couldn't grasp in your mind because it's not like he knows how to fight. 
Only a man could have that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, no. Uh, yeah, so his first actual murder, same year, one month later. That's what I'm saying. Is he just kept rolling, baby. Yeah. He just got a taste for it. And this is Linda Ann Healy. Everyone around her loved her. Now, she was beautiful. A knockout. A fucking, basically, pageant-style beauty queen. Uh, she was prepared to graduate college all the way in this semester she was a psychology major and when she got done with college her overall goal was to help handicapped children and she did volunteer work with handicapped children she lived in a house in the university district because she was attending the university of washington where ted was uh and and the beating of karen sparks had already been in the news they told women that they need to be careful lock their doors at night don't be alone and Ted lived three blocks away from Linda. He knew her from psychology class, had an infatuation with her. He went to the University District Safeway the night before at the same time she did, which uh, because that's a I'm bringing that up because she was there accounted for. There's no cameras back then. And he was there accounted for because he cashed a check. A cashier knew her, saw her, took note of it. That just proves that he had spent time stalking her. He knew what he wanted to do. Now, he breaks into her house. She also lives in a basement room. Same thing, except he's barehanded, beats her unconscious, dresses her in her blue jeans from her drawer, a white blouse he found in boots. So, changes her clothes, Mm -hmm. carries her out, and uh, the roommate gets suspicious when her wake-up alarm goes off. He... he, uh, She was supposed to be at work, uh, and she was doing ski reports on the radio. She was like a personality. You, you know how radio's all the way dead now? Yeah. And what we're doing is radio now? Mm-hmm. Well, back then, if you lived in, like, Seattle, Washington, and you wanted to know about the weather, ski reports, she didn't have a cell phone or a computer to check on. You had to listen to the fucking radio or watch the news to find out. She was the uh, ski weather person, which is a big deal in Washington. She had to be there at 5.30 a.m. Her roommate is worried about her because her alarm's going off after 6 a.m. And she assumes that she just got up early, left for the station, didn't turn her alarm off, but it's not like her. And now Linda doesn't show up for dinner that she planned with her parents and the re- and some other family for a special occasion. And uh, her roommate freaks out because when they call and say where she's at, it's not like her. She doesn't go missing. She doesn't party. She doesn't drink. She doesn't do drugs. So they go into her room. Her roommate breaks in there. They find a dried pool of blood on her pillow, blood all over the bed, and the nightgown she was wearing that was covered in blood, but it was hung neatly in her closet because, of course, yeah. he basically killed her and then took her out of the house, redressed as he wanted her to look. Well, Ted Bundy was also uh, extremely OCD. <laughs> he sure. color-coordinated his clothes. He put everything in the same drawer. So socks, underwear, they would be in a different drawer. His shirts would be hung up. In color coordination from mm. dark to light, and then it would go down, you know, Yuck. all the way down to, from from black all the way down to white. Yeah, mine starts at black and ends at black. Yeah. So he just fucking, yeah, yeah. I got one gray shirt. Do you? Yeah, that call scene one. Yeah. Everything else black. Yeah, me too. I've got like a dress shirt. Yeah. That I got to wear on a special occasion or whatever. <laughs> it was like a work thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like I little- had a few... I was a general manager of a restaurant for a while, and they made you wear button-up shirts. Yeah. And I was making pretty good money, so I just bought a bunch of them. Now they're just there. Yeah. But if, I fucking, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Why but would they were Hawaiian wearing? shirts. 
Yeah. I they mean, let you, you know you're like, they're like, oh, he's in charge, but he's not that serious. Yeah, for yeah. sure. He's having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. And usually um, there's like a, you know, with, with psychopathy, there's so many different mental health things that are going on. There's not just psychopathy. It's like uh, OCD. Everything has to be perfect. Yeah. Which hence why he was so like calculated and getting away with things for so long. Sure. You know, because people were so dumb back then. He didn't really have to worry yeah, about and, it. Yeah, and, and like the, the common evidence that police would look for, fingerprints, yeah. footprints, he covered those bases. Yeah. Even though... He went to, I think he went in with like a, not an actual plan on how to kill somebody or how to abduct them or depending on what he was doing crime wise. He just came in confident in his ability to do what he wanted to do. But however, the other bases were always covered. No fingerprints, no fucking hint of the, like he made sure that people wouldn't find out right away. Uh, He he always set the scene. It kind of seems like. Yeah. So the next one. Uh, and the first six months of 1974, the fucking heat was on because he does this one time a month. And again, he never stops. And small community in Washington. I mean, Seattle's a big city now, but it's not that big of a city now even. So back then, yeah. it, it was like a major port for the Pacific Northwest, but it, compared to the rest of the country, it's a small-ass place. Yeah. It's a tight community, too. Uh, all fucking, you know, suburban white people. Yeah. So when, so when like, the, the newscaster girl from the radio goes missing, people fucking notice. And so the word's out that there's... Uh, women need to be safe. Uh, March, the very next month, March 12th, uh, he finds Donna Gail Mason. She's 19. She attends the Evergreen State College in Olympia, Washington, which is about an hour away from Seattle, where he's living at. Uh, he leaves her dorm room to attend a jazz concert on campus. She never shows up where she told her friends she was going to be at. So basically, Ted snagged her up on their way there. Yeah. Brutally murdered her. Beat her fucking face in. And, you know, obviously, if you don't know by now, that's going to become his M.O. He bludgeons people, mm-hmm. which is a very intimate and hard way to kill somebody. Yeah. Even using an object because, you know, even just from watching movies, you understand that. If you stab somebody, they don't die right away, but you can mortally wound a person by using a sharp object and, mm-hmm. and touching their vital organs. Yeah. Uh, obviously, shooting somebody, if you shoot them in the right place, they're dead fairly instantaneously. You strangle somebody. It takes a long time and a lot of work, but you know they're going to die because you're cutting off blood and air from their brain to their body. Their brain dies. Mm-hmm. Bludgeoning somebody to death, there's not a set way on how to make it happen you just have to keep pounding someone until there's no more life left in their body which has got to be one of the worst ways to go yeah i feel like um especially within uh the culture we live in with uh social media i feel like we're gonna have an uprising serial killers pretty soon because even the dsm-5 has like it would be really hard to do no but yeah you're right but if you understand social media and you understand uh, technology to a degree yeah uh, I think you could get a, get away with it. Even like there's a lot of personality disorders in the new DSM five version for yeah. social media. Um, like I've stated before, one in four kids are borderline personality disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, you add in the fact that you want to feel important. You're posting pictures on Instagram and you're doing all this kind of shit. Um, there's going to be somebody who's going to figure out how to um, get away with murder basically. So, 
there's going to be new ways to get away with it. Somebody's okay. going to be smart enough to do it, and we're going to start seeing some some uprising in that. So to to go with that, um, there was that girl. I think it was in Ohio. I could definitely yeah. be wrong, but she got kidnapped. Mm-hmm. And uh, she escaped. She was 13. Yeah. And the guy that kidnapped her was like in his early 20s. Yeah. And uh, she got away. She described the guy, but they had a really hard time finding him because somehow in his 20s, he was like the only person that didn't have a digital footprint. Yeah. No social media. Well, you can make up your own shit. Yeah. You you know, your address. But he didn't have any. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like there was like... They're using facial recognition and shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like if you make a fake profile with your face on it, it doesn't matter because like they'll, like they'll find your face. You could put a mask on. I mean, you could do things like that. I mean, there's just so many different different things you can do with social media that yeah. uh, we haven't figured but out But outside yet. of social media, but, but that's what I'm saying. That that blew me away that they yeah. had a hard time finding somebody even though she described him in today's mm-hmm. climate. And then what he had to do was he had just not been on the internet at all. Yeah. And, and it, it seemed like he had done that intentionally and I'm sure his crimes were going to expound and get way worse. We're going to see a new, I think we're going to see a new type of serial killer with technology. But what, what I would be... Because the compulsion to kill outweighs sure. a lot of things for people. And, and we're producing a lot more sociopaths. This country produces a lot of sociopaths. Yeah. Well, I got a thing that social media makes. If you, I, I would think if you're on the, if you're on that spectrum, yeah. I would think that the ability to use social media to gain favor, it's like... Uh, like what, like with like the podcast, for example. Like one thing that we struggle with is being good at social media because neither one of us like it. Yeah. Like we don't have that hunger for approval. Yeah. So like we've never been good at pre- like presenting something. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But people that that want that and thirst for it, like you you see people that have some really stupid fucking content with hundreds of thousands of followers. Just because they spend their entire fucking time, like 24 hours a day, yeah. cultivating an interesting personality for what they think that the internet wants. Well, what if a person like Fuck Jerry falls off the face of the planet? They're going to kill people. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm saying is, it, think about homeless people. They have no contact. I mean, they do and they don't. You can get a phone now, even if you're homeless. Yeah, well, so you could, what I'm thinking about is like cameras. Yeah. You know, they, like basically everything is surveilled. Yeah. So if you were killing people... Like the third or fourth time you end up on fucking camera, yeah. It's like, yo, we're gonna snap this motherfucker. Yeah, unless you're homeless. Yeah, because if you don't have a record and you're homeless, well, drifters are always the best type of murderer. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and a, I mean, even train tracks. I mean, you yeah. to a degree they're surveillance, but not really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see it. I mean, if you Actually, really in but, Hot Springs, some they found a a body in Hot Springs of a. They said it was a young man, but it was a young woman. Um, somebody I know who does outreach for another. Another place uh, found a dead body out there, and they had been brutally stabbed. Shit, and uh, gotten away with it. But they've been finding bodies across Arkansas on yeah on train tracks. Yeah, that certainly seems like the way to do it is drifting. Uh, I mean, don't do it. Don't don't. But uh, yeah. but yeah, but yeah. I mean, you you know, it, it, it sometimes to me it seems like social media is an, a trap. Yeah. To get you identified. Unfortunately, it's a way to do things. Yeah. You know, that's, it's a double edged sword for sure. That's true. But, you know, on the safe side of things, I don't fucking have anything to hide from, so whatever. Yeah. Anywho, uh, we'll keep moving with the murders. The next month, April 17th, Susan Elaine Rancourt. She's abducted walking to her dorm room right after an advisor meeting. She lives about 110 miles southeast of Seattle. So, again, Ted is traveling around the area trying to mix it up so he doesn't get caught. 
two students from her school say that they had encounters with Bundy, described him directly, uh, described the tan Volkswagen Beetle that he was driving. He had his arm in a sling, and he asked her if she needed help load uh, with a ride, and they saw him loading her books into his Volkswagen Beetle. So that kind of pins him to the to the crime. But again, you know, there's no, in the 70s, no urgency, no way to pinpoint people. They have an idea of what they're looking for, but they still haven't even put together that it's probably a serial killer. May 6th, Roberta Kathleen Parks leaves her dorm at Oregon State University in Corvallis to have coffee with her friends. They're waiting for her. She never shows up. You know something's up. Detectives in Seattle are getting afraid because they now are, are starting to put the pattern together. I'm going, you know, we're on number five now, but there's no physical evidence. Uh, the women that he had been abducting had really any, not much in common except that they were college age. They were attractive. They had long hair. But that's what the typical college student looked like at the time. But he, they were all beautiful. That was like the main thing. Uh, and they were within kind of close proximity. But other than that, social life-wise, nothing in common. And that's the first thing they're looking at. Like, yo, like who, who in their life, what part of their life would have got them tangled up with this is what they would be looking at. Yeah. And uh, the only common piece now is being attractive and in college. And that is a lot of women. Uh, June 1st, Brenda Carroll Balls, 22 years old, she left the Flame Tavern in Buren, Washington, which is close to the SeaTac Airport. Last time she was seen is by patrons in the parking lot of a bar talking to a man with brown hair, attractive, regular looking, with his arm in a sling. Mm-hmm. There's your pattern. That's something that police are looking for, which we're going to find out doesn't really make much of a difference, but he's being seen. That's what I'm saying. In the 70s, they're already putting a case together like that. Yeah. Like, look, this is a, there's a guy with his arm in a sling that we got to be on the lookout for. June 11th, University of Washington student George Ann Hawkins completely disappears in a brightly lit alley coming from her boyfriend's dorm room and a sorority house right next to each other. And three Seattle homicide cops go the next morning to investigate the alley. They get on their hands and knees trying to scrape away, sweep away, find a fingerprint, a footprint, a scrap of hair, anything that they can. Can't put anything together. Uh, Her abduction is sent out to all the students after this pattern has started, trying to see if, one, students have seen anything, and for two, to not be out at night. Uh, But if a witness witness comes forward, reports that they saw a fucking dude in a hat in an alley behind a nearby dorm on crutches with the leg cast fumbling with a briefcase. Another person reported that Bundy himself, the same unibrow hair, attractive features, sharp type of face. Uh, they report that he asked them to help him carry his briefcase to a tan Volkswagen Beetle. Now the handicap thing to me seems like he was making himself look helpless Mm-hmm. and trying to get people to engage with him. Yeah. So if his arm's in a sling, he could easily say something like, uh, something like, hey, uh, I can't carry my books. My arm's injured. Is there any way, you like, could you just help me carry this to my car? And then nabs him. That's a conversation point. It's essentially like a deer hunter using a deer call. Correct. He's just hunting people. He's hunting humans um, for sexual gratification. Uh, the serial killers still not a term at this point, so you know you got to think that this is like a uh, this is a new thing, and 
this is this is you know we we had an episode about fetishes. Um, I think he fetishizes about his first girlfriend. I think a lot of these women look like his first girlfriend. Right, right. And so he just kind of whatever he's trying to work out with her because he fucked up is is that he's he's doing that. So, um, but the everything in between is about what he looks like on the outside. Correct. So even if he's got a girlfriend, I know he's got a girlfriend now at this point, right? Right, right, right. We're, so, I'm about to talk about, but you know, uh, even to this day, t- t- 2019, when people know exactly what Ted Bundy did. Now, I've never seen it personally, but I know that they, everyone talks about it online right now. Is that no one can believe that someone that looked like that and he had a big old dick. Yeah. Giant fucking penis from all accounts. Uh, eight inch soft. Yeah. Uh, so it's someone that should be, it just goes to show you that when you think somebody's got it all, it doesn't matter. People are who they are. Money doesn't matter. Looks don't matter. People are who they are, whether they be a terrible, disgusting monster like this, or they're a great person with no clothes on their back at all. The character of a human being outweighs their physical means. For sure. Now, just to circle back and catch you up where we were at with the last episode and where Ted Bundy's life is right now. This is when all these murders, he was working at the, uh, in, in Olympia, Washington, the department of emergency services, which was a government agency involved in the search for two missing women. This is when he was helping with the suicide hotline. When he put the pamphlet together about rape prevention, Uh that's what he's doing. He's, he wrote down how to avoid him. Well, it's a way for him to revisit his crime. That's correct. He loved that. He fucking loved it. Yeah. He fucking loved it. Uh, this is when he met Carol Ann Boone, which, remember, was the divorced mother of two. And uh, six years later, he came back and rounded out again, right, with the mm-hmm. pre- with, to get married to her because he was like, I could have had her, right? Yeah. That's, that's when he was dating her the first time. Now, the, Seattle, the North Pacific Northwest in general is going crazy. Because uh, Sparks near murder attempt and uh, the the young lady that was a reporter that went missing and the other murders, there's all types of television reports, radio coverage about the crimes, but they're not releasing any names. Uh, the police think that the more they keep quiet, the more likely they are to catch the person. So rather than delete, release details to try to get the community involved, they keep it quiet so they can themselves stumble on the perpetrator, which, you know... In their defense, there's not a blueprint on how to do these things at the time. Mm-hmm. However, that seems dumb as shit to me. Yeah. You should want them to know what they're looking for, the pattern that's emerged, where the people have been at, like if you're on a college campus. And now the, the, the things that they have in common is that they were all at night. They're all near construction work, which is some deep genius shit because you've got loud noises going on. you got a mess around you, gravel, dirt, shit that can cover up where you're at. They could easily be blamed for... Uh, what's that weird noise? Oh, they're just they're probably over there working on a building. Um, they were all within a week of midterms or final exams, which he was doing. He was in college at the time. So he was on that same schedule. So he was not doing it during his finals. He had to go fucking do work. Um, all the girls were slacks or blue jeans. No one in a dress. So remember that he's tried to portray himself as this right-wing, straight-laced, button-up, Christian, evangelical type of personality because he knows that's who's always successful in the white world. Yeah. And he's trying to make himself that. And, uh, of, of course, um, there's the dude that's always got some type of disability 
with a tan Volkswagen Beetle. But they don't put that information out. The police won't tell reporters anything. Yep. You can, uh, you, you, I mean, you could look at all the things that he's doing. I mean, he's got a, a skilled hunter is going to do the things that work the best. And if the media is not putting it out, see, you think about, you think about this. So he does this shit. Um, Emmett Kemper does the shit that he does. None of these people were prostitutes or anything. They weren't easy right. targets. Right. And there's a reason for that because nobody's putting it out in the media. Correct. So then, you know, the, the trage- trajectory of a sociopath as we go into serial killer stuff is that they hunt down, you know, prostitutes because yeah. you can't pinpoint their activity. You can't. You can't do anything because their shit's sporadic. Right. Because drug addiction is sporadic. Yes. A lot of prostitutes are drug drug addicts. So they have sex for money to get drugs or they have sex for drugs. Right. This is before that. Mm -hmm. This is when you could get some high class women and fucking kill them and have sex with them and do all this stuff. And and you're not a, nobody has any diagnosis at this point. Yeah. So this is a. This is, I mean, even like the Netflix special. I mean, it's inner. It's definitely a fucking look into psychopathy at its finest. I mean, yeah. like, he never admitted to shit. No, it was all in the third person. Well, like I said in the first episode, is that he, uh, this, they didn't do a psychological analysis on him before trial, like most people would to see if he was fit to stand trial because he seemed so competent. He was so confident mm-hmm. and he was willing to represent himself. So they were just like, oh, no, this guy's fine. But when he finally was analyzed, the psychiatrist said, like, this guy is completely detached from reality. Yeah. He's two people. Yeah. Two people, which doesn't make it okay. It's just that that's where his mental state was. He mm-hmm. clicked into another side of himself. And then it's it's something that of you know we can't understand because yeah. we're we don't have that. He was smart enough to be able to lay everything out to seem like it was normal though. That's the difference, right? There, I don't think there was a detached from reality at all. I think that he well he was liked what he liked. It, I think that he was so good at turning himself into kill mode when he wanted to yeah. that it, it didn't come up. Do you understand you, what I'm you saying? You just can't be hard to track. That's the thing. Back then, it was easy not to track anybody. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's true. But I mean, when he was like in front of judges and in court yeah. and, and speaking with reporters and being the charming guy that everyone knew him to be, mm-hmm. I believe that it's not that he was a separate person. It's just that he knew how to completely cut out the side of him that was a murdering yeah. psychopath we just laid so out the, much yeah. that that pe- that it couldn't be detected well he just laid out the groundwork for what he wanted yeah he was able to be able to deceive and that's that's an important thing about psychopathy is they're able to deceive right um and it's really hard to do now i mean it's really fucking hard to do now yeah but there's dev. I mean, I, th- I mean, you can look at uh, Mark. You look up the s- statistics of how many active serial killers there are. The FBI, I think they usually say between four to five at any given time. Yeah, and it, it, that reminds me. If you don't watch this on YouTube, Mark pulls up our producer, who's got his own ribbon podcast. Episodics of the Blowhole does hard work here, and he can pull up stuff on the screen that you can look at along with us, where we can find out facts, look at pictures. And uh, see side by side with us what's going on. So, how many active serial killers are there right now in two thousand and fucking nineteen? We are looking 
Yeah, so just, you know, another element to the podcast yeah. if you want to see some visuals. But, in, yeah, yeah, I mean, Ted Bunny's just in this whole different world. Now, July 14th, again, he never stops. Never fucking stops. Uh, the word is out. People know that this is going on, so he starts sneaking around different areas. Uh, this all happens near Lake Sammamish State Park. Uh, and this is the murder in July 2014. Two women are abducted at a crowded beach near Lake Sammamish State Park in Isaiah, which is a suburb of Seattle. Five female witnesses described Ted Bundy as an attractive young man. He was wearing a white tennis outfit, which is like 2,000 active serial killers. In the United States? In USA. Wow. 2019. Fuck. Four to five is way off. <laughs> yeah. Way the fuck off. Yeah. But yeah, so, well, it's like the Golden State Killer. Yeah. Just discovered. Yeah. Uh, the Happy Face Killer. Like mm-hmm. all that shit, like, you know, they're around for years. Here's a good, uh, I'm going to put this Yeah, so, uh, yeah, just make sure you tune into YouTube so you can check out fucking stats like this. Uh, we're in Lake Sammamish, um, sporting... The five girls said that Ted Bunny had an accent. They called it Canadian and British, which is hilarious because that sounds nothing yeah. alike. But he just had some type. He was trying to disguise himself, but he still introduces himself to the group as Ted. Now, he, he's got a, his arm in a sling, of course, classic handicap Bundy. He says he needs help unloading a sailboat from his Volkswagen Beetle. It's a tan Beetle. They all see it. Four of the girls say no, but one girl agreed but when she saw his beetle without a sailboat, she knew something was up and took off running. So he was around trying to pick up girls. Now, three other witnesses say they saw him speaking with Janice Ann Ott, who was a 23-year-old caseworker at King County Juvenile Court. People, The two witnesses heard him asking her about help with the sailboat. And then she saw him leave, they saw her leave with him. Not to be seen again. They weren't with her. They just saw it happen. Four hours later, Denise Marie Noslin. She's a 19-year-old aspiring computer programmer, which is crazy to think about it in the 70s. You're way ahead of the curve. Gotta be smart as fuck. She leaves a picnic with her friends to go to the bathroom. Does not come back. Now, when Bundy talks about uh, he would have done it like this, he would have done it like that in his interviews, he says that Ott was alive when he brought Naslin to his place. And they watched, he made them watch each other die. And then after he gave that interview, he said that that didn't happen at all, which is classic Ted Bundy, because he's just a piece of shit, terrible person. But imagine that. He, for sport, kidnapped two women, Mm -hmm. made them watch each one of them get tortured in front of the other one to add fear, because that's what gets him off. Now, a detailed description came shortly after they were going through witness interviews, which is when they came up with the first composite sketch. And the very next day, they posted flyers all over town. News was posting it all the time, interrupting programs, showing pictures of the sketch of Ted Bundy to see if they could possibly find someone who knew who it was, which, of course, at this point is the most evidence that police have let come out. Elizabeth Klopper and Ann Rule, who was, like I said, his first biography, former co-worker and a professor, they all reported that this is the guy. We know Ted Bundy. We've seen him. He's weird as shit. He matches the sketch. They told police that. Police 
grabbed him, interviewed him, knew what was going on. So there's no way a good looking young Republican that's doing good in school, no adult criminal record. Remember, they expunged his teenage shit could have been him. It couldn't have been him. No possible way. And they were also getting more than 200 calls on their lines about who it could have possibly been every single day. September 6th in 1974, two hunters stumble across the remains of Ott and Noslin two miles away from the Lake Sammamish State Park. An extra femur and femur and several vertebrae are found at the site and they were claimed to be uh, pieces of Jajoran George Ann Hawkins. I'm drunk as shit. <laughs> so uh, George Ann, who had also gone missing, like they found the two full bodies, extra bones. They, that's where Ted Bunny dumped her part. So he'd been hanging on to him, which makes sense for Ted Bunny's MO. Yeah. Just uh, not hanging on to a trophy, but probably showed the girls, hey, this is what I did. Yeah. How do you like that? That's you. That's going to happen to you. Which is also unique because a lot of times, even if they don't keep a part of the body, they usually take pictures. Yeah. They, you know, they, they have something to remind them of that moment. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times they revisit the place that they killed somebody. Yep. Not with him, man. Uh, well, that's semi not true because, okay. well, I mean, on, only in this particular instance, because six months after this happened, Green River Community College <laughs> discovered the skulls and jaws which means that he decapitated Healy, Rancourt, Parks, and Ball. They were all found on Taylor Mountain, which is where Ted Bundy was an avid hiker of. Yeah. Uh, Mance's remains were never found, but th- th- that doesn't mean he kept going back to the scene of crime. It's just that that's, a, that's an area that he was known to hang out in. Well, the Green River Killer was also active during this point in time, that's too. That's true. That is true. Now, um, you know, once the heat came on Bundy, he saw the flyers. People spoke out about him. He had to run in with police to ask him about it. And they found out about his background. And, of course, the cops loved him. He he basically was a cop. Yeah. Beautiful white Republican with strong values and ideals based upon the right-wing political movement of America at that time. Mm-hmm. He's a cop. So he moves around to make shit happen because, of course, he's not going to stop. In 1974, he's actually accepted to the University of Utah Law School. Because he wanted to be a lawyer, which would have been a great job for him, as we'll find out in the trials. Uh, he moved to Salt Lake City. He left Klopfer in Seattle. They were in a relationship together still, but he was a wild motherfucker and having sex all the time. Couldn't turn that part of him off. And of course, you know, long distance relationship. Now, you could probably more easily find track someone's activity and find out what they're up to. But back then, there's no way to know what anyone's up to. He'll just tell you that he's faithful and he's very convincing, so you'll absolutely believe it. Yeah. So he's pulling tail. A good sociopath always fucking believes their own lies. Right, right. And even Ted Bundy says that he was having a hard time in law school because as technology had progressed, I mean, you got to think that he's gone through the college cycle so many times now by 1974 that the newer law students coming in were a lot smarter than he was. He says, quote, that they had an intellectual capacity that he did not. And he says that it was a great disappointment to be outshadowed because he's got a bad ego. Mm-hmm. So instead of saying like, all right, this is the curve that people are on. I got to step my shit up. He just gets bummed out that they're smarter than him. And he's not the star of the class. So, He's going to school. He's completely moved to Utah. He doesn't even wait a month until he starts killing people. An unnamed person uh, was next. September 2nd, he raped and strangled an unidentified hitchhiker in Idaho. So travel to make it happen. 
He tossed her into the river and then showed up the next day, took a picture of her, looked around, saw that no one was around, and dismantled her corpse. That's where she was set in the river. Oh, okay. Night. You think that maybe him not being the smartest person in the room is what set him off? Quite possible. But, uh, you know, it seems like if you're looking at his life as a point that he's not a killer and you're on the outside of what he's doing, the natural progression of what Ted Bundy should be doing is going to law school. Mm -hmm. And he's framed it that way. But if you look at the reality, the heat is on where he lives at. So he wants to keep killing people and getting away with it. So I'm not 100% sure that he ever intended to stop killing people when he moved. And that may have... Yeah. You know, he may have planned on doing it later. Uh-huh. And when he realized he was the dumbest motherfucker in class, been like, but you know what I can do good yeah. is rip fucking bodies up. Do you know what the three things are that people seek for gratification? No. Uh, food. Hell yeah. Value. <laughs> hell yeah. And sex. Oh, hell yeah. So two of those things is something he loves more than food. Yeah. Yeah, what if he? What if Ted Bundy was just like cheeseburger motivated for murders? Yeah, he'd be easy to catch. <laughs> has, <laughs> has there ever been a burger-related serial killer? Yeah, probably fucking uh, <laughs> Gacy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Old John Wayne Tasty. I can't believe you didn't fucking uh, drink this whole buzz ball. Well, it's gross. Yeah, that's not the point. What's the point? My birthday. It's called Strawberry Rum Dog. Hey, so, I don't give a fuck. I don't have a lot of wishes, man. I just have a wish that you... Shut up. You're not going to guilt trip me into drinking something gross. Listen, Why would you wish for me to finish? I my boss said, myself. hey, for an early birthday present, can I get you this? And I'm like, no, I really don't like it. Nothing means anything to me except for <laughs> Chris drinking a whole buzz ball. Give me that stupid thing, you bitch. You finish it. I got. It's not even halfway gone. Yeah, no, it's not. Because you're fucking soft. I'm going to have... Yeah, you... God damn. Yeah, you you gotta t- feel the air while I drink this gross horse shit. Yeah. Fucking Senator Rappers could fucking finish three of those. Think about that. I want to be honest with you. I don't care about politics. Yeah. I just, yeah, I get you, but that soft motherfucker, I've seen you drink three before in real life. No, you haven't? Yeah. Nope. And a nice, soft, tan. Escalade. Yeah, that guy's name is Raper. That's a weird name to be like a definitely, definitely rape-like person. I'm going to say off the record that later on. You're literally on the record. No, I'm going to say off the record, though. Okay, sure. All right. right. Just just a little secret between Buddy and 20,000 people. Off the record. Off the record. Yeah, sure. That that guy is probably a fucking pedophile. Oh, yeah, dude. He's got a goatee and a soft face. Yeah. 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 Little hands. He's got all yeah. the telltale signs. He like cracks open. Way a, too, way too Jesusy. That fucking uh, Escalade I was talking about. He probably cracks open the automatic back hatch and pulls out a fucking you know ball glove or two, and he's like, hey, you know. <laughs> and then fucking next thing you know, that kid's in the back of that fucking hatch. Man. I got Lamborghini doors on that Escalade. Love the fuck young kids because they can't get pregnant. Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> that's wild. That's why, Jason Rapert. Uh, if you don't, yeah, this fucking, is this real last name Rapert? Yeah, R A P E R T, Rapert. Wow, but it fits. Yeah, if, if you don't know who we're talking about, it's an Arkansas senator. We're not political. 
but good God, is this guy a fucking pussy? He's yeah. just all like he gets super offended. One of our friends uh, salute to CT yeah. for he he booked I hate God at Vino's, which is with where, phobia. The people, the, the oh the warlord clothing guy, yeah warlord clothing guy. It's a full circle of hilarity. But that's where I do comedy shows at once a month. I throw about I host a show there and bring in comics. But anyway, yo salute to CT for putting all that together. But then he he made a flyer. That was just like, you know, put together fast and funny. I got that page, City of Little Rock. If you don't follow it, check it out. It's a lot of fun on Facebook. I've been making fun of Rapert. Like, he's just a dork. Like, he he feels like he's at war with Satan all the time. He's super evangelical, which is 10 times out of 10 a pedophile. And so he will always get on his social media and rally the troops of God to fight against Satan. Which is not many. <laughs> no, no. To fight against Satan. And he looks like a goddamn moron. I mean, he's being sued by atheists right now for blocking people on social media. And the consensus of the court was that he's too stupid to understand how social media works. And then on top of that, the fucking flyer is him munching down on a baby. Yeah, it's it, because he's like super pro-life. But that's the thing, man. There, like, even City of Little Rock has definitely done some things that would make most people fucking aggro. Yeah. As fuck. But that's the thing that set him off. Yeah, and well, so there's he, a deep down... I think there's a deep down fucking regret. I can tell you... No, I can... Yeah, that's true. You know? I can tell you the cycle of exactly what happened. I just know a soft-jawed fuck. And that's... Yeah. And, that, and that people, you know... Maybe this isn't true that he, maybe he's not a pedophile, whatever. No, he's definitely a pedophile. But... They say that people like that have a softer jawline. Yeah, of course. And they usually have a goatee. Yeah, absolutely. It's like I look like a someone who's. I wish I wasn't making that up. No, it's true. Yeah. I'm aware. But yo, um, I, I, I can tell you exactly what happened. Is that uh, he? The, um, they put on a show at Vino's, which was like a band, a punk band from here called Trusty. Which I don't know shit about, but I guess they're like yeah. a, a bigger band from mm-hmm. Little Rock back Old in the Metallica day. Oh, Metallica even did a tribute to them when they came through. Yeah, that's great. That's yeah. uh, not good. But anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Metallica and that band stink. Uh, but they did a tribute and they had fucking Matt Besser, who, whose parents own Besser Hardware in Little Rock, uh, do comedy there. Uh, he's very bad at comedy. <laughs> so it's like, anyway, uh, they, they did a fucking show with uh, the intent to shit on Jason Rapert. It was called, like, Vote Him Out. Yeah. And uh, that pissed him off, and he posted about it, but no one gave a shit, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's just like peaceful protest. There's no sacrilege or terrible things said about him. So as soon as something came up about Vino's that he could take Christian soldier arms to, yeah. he was going to jump on it. And it just happened to be I hate God and phobia. Which and, you know, and CT not? made a hilarious flyer, and then his dumb ass, like... You know, he does understand the value of social media yeah. and it values like old people. They see a satanic thing like that and go, oh, my God, I hate God. He's eating a baby. What kind of hellions would endorse this type of thing? Yeah. And uh, it's been hilarious. It's been a fun day. It's been a good day. Uh, all the fucking. But you know what, man? Why not? You know, you're getting sued for like a uh, religious shit. Why don't you go ahead and get sued for freedom of speech? Go ahead and do that on top of everything else. Yeah, well, whatever. Uh, I don't. How did this come up again? 
Did you Rayford's Ted Bundy like? Yeah, that's. I mean, he's, he's a Ted weird Bundy. ass bitch. Uh, yeah, so let's jump back into the Bundy shit. So we've gone from September second, where he killed the unidentified hitchhiker, ripped her body apart the next day. October second, he snatches up sixteen-year-old Nancy Wilcox in Holiday, which is a suburb of Salt Lake City. So remember, he went to Idaho for the first one, but now he's close to where he's staying at. Drags her into a wooded area, rapes her. Uh, Apparently, when he goes back to describe it, when he's doing the third person thing, he says he tried not to kill her, but her screaming is too loud and he strangles her to death by accident. Hmm. She was buried near Capitol Reef National Park, which is 200 miles from her home, according to him, but her remains were never recovered. Melissa Smith occurred the same month, just 16 days later, October 18th. 17-year-old Melissa Smith is a daughter of the police chief of Midvale, which is a different Salt Lake City suburb, disappeared after getting a slice of pizza. Her body is found naked in a nearby mountainous area. Post-mortem autopsy shows that she was alive for up to seven days following her abduction. She was raped, sodomized, and strangled with nylon stockings and then left to the elements. Laura Aim was murdered on Halloween night. She's a 17-year-old. She disappeared in Lehigh, Utah after leaving a cafe around midnight. Her body was found by hikers months a month later on Thanksgiving Day. She was raped, sodomized, and also strangled with nylon stockings. Mm. Bundy claims to have dressed up Smith and Aim, shampooing their hair, and put makeup on their corpses before he committed necrophilia. Yeah. So that's just back to the OCD. You look how I want you to look. I'm in control. Yeah. I'm in charge of you. And he had to kill him and then do it. So Which like I, strangulation is the, the finest point of a sociopath because of the fact that they are in control. Yeah. Well, they can feel them die. He beat her to death. Yeah. But but he like he it's important to know that he's carrying around the stockings. He's yeah. got nylon stockings that he's carrying around now. Uh, November 8th. Bundy finds 18-year-old telephone operator Carol Durant at Fashion Place Mall in Murray, Utah, which is less than a mile where Melissa Smith was last seen. Bundy tells her that he's Officer Roseland of the Murray Police Department, convinces her that her car had been broken into and that she needs to come down to the station to com- submit a complaint. She jumps in his car and notices that he isn't going to the correct police station. Bundy pulls the collar over to the shoulder, hits her, handcuffs her, and uh, erupts into chaos. He doesn't get her second-hand handcuff to her first hand. She gets out of the car and escapes and is able to describe him perfectly. Mm. The same fucking day, he's obviously distraught because it didn't work, so 20... Miles away from Murray in Bountiful, Utah, he abducts Deborah Jean Kent, 17-year-old. She's a school drama teacher, or I'm sorry, the school drama teacher and another student told police that a stranger asked them to come out into the parking lot to identify a car. Then they saw him pacing in the auditorium. Outside of the school, investigators found the handcuff key to the set on Durant's wrist. While all that's going on, Elizabeth Klopfer 
calls King County Police after she read that women were disappearing in Salt Lake City where her boyfriend Ted Bundy lived. Yep. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Cops are dumb as fuck. Now, Detective Randy Hergersheimer takes it seriously. He interviews her in detail and notes about her being a viable witness. So Bundy is finally rising in suspicion. Even though the witness that had escaped sees a lineup. Now, you got to think about this. She's gone through some serious trauma. Mm -hmm. She fought Ted Bundy off. In a lineup of people... Where it's like hardened criminals and Ted Bundy. They basically assemble a group of people with criminal records and they grab Ted Bundy because Elizabeth Clawford called King County Police, which is this is the second time she's called him. They put him in the lineup, they sit her down, and she could not pick Ted Bundy out of a lineup. Yeah. Because again, it's like you just don't expect that. I don't think. Even though you saw him and you were there. He doesn't look like a good-looking normal man. Well, at the your time. mind doesn't. Want, your mind, you, you as a person, don't want to ever depict anybody doing anything to you. Correct. And so, you, you, you especially, so you wouldn't think that the most normal-looking person would do something like that. No. So she doesn't even pick him out. He remains on the list of suspects, but he's pushed down. Uh, and, and also, they the police ask Elizabeth what her relationship is with Bundy. They think that she's basically a scorned ex. Now. What's crazy is that she, again, Elizabeth Cloffer basically fucking knows that Ted Bundy is killing people. She's mathed it out. Yeah. He returns to Seattle in 1975 to spend time with her a week after his finals are over. She didn't tell him that she called the police on him fucking twice in the last six months and uh, a whole fucking week. So they're having sex. They're fucking being with each other now. She feels like she's doing her due diligence by calling the police, but she's still fucking entertaining the guy. Uh, that could be because he's terrifying. Yeah. The, but the whole well, situation is insane. Well, even the the interviews afterwards, after he does get in trouble, she does own up to him doing things like uh, having sex with, like, Choking and strangulation right. and tying her up right. and, you know, doing things like that. And the only reason he's with her is to prove that he could do it. Yeah. Well, he's also there to be able to go, here's my alibi. Mm-hmm. You know? You run about that, baby. Now, 1975, he starts moving eastward again because the heat is on. Once he gets caught in that lineup, he's not dumb. He knows there's a reason he's there. Mm-hmm. Now, he doesn't know that his fucking girlfriend called the cops on him. But he thinks that they're hot on his fucking trail again. Yeah. Now, if this, ha- if, if, look, in 2019, lightning doesn't strike twice. He's going to fucking jail. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Oh, he was a suspect here, and he's a suspect here. We're taking him. Just on the off chance. You know what I mean? But this motherfucker sneaks away again. January 12th, 1975, RN, registered nurse, Karen Eileen Campbell disappears while walking down a hallway between the elevator and her room at the Wildwood Inn Suites in Snowmass Village, which is 400 miles away from Salt Lake City. So he's traveled as basically fucking, you know, six hours away from where he lives at to make a crime happen. Her body is found a whole month later on a dirt road outside of the resort she was staying at naked. She had been killed by linear blows across of her head leaving deep, distinct, linear groove impressions into her skull, and her body had been stabbed after death multiple times. So, 
he beat her with a round blunt object and then after she died necrophilia and stabbed her he doesn't do anything in the month of february march 15th Julie Cunningham, who's a 26-year-old Vail, Colorado ski instructor, is abducted after a dinner date with her friends. Bundy would later tell Colorado investigators that he approached Cunningham with his crutches trick and asked her to help load his ski boots in his car. Now, remember, he had been skiing, been scamming ski clubs. He knew what skiers looked like. And as soon as she got to his car, he clubbed her, handcuffed her, raped her, strangled her to death in a secondary site near Rifle, Colorado, which was 90 miles away. Weeks later, he had been hiding her corpse, drove it all the way back to Salt Lake City, six hours away, and had sex with her three-week-old corpse again Mm. after he dressed her up the way he wanted to. Insanity. Yeah. That's the smell. That's, like, where are you at at that point? Um, that's what turned you on. For sure, but it's... I mean, It's incomprehensible. Yeah, it should be. That's normal. Because, like... I mean, but the thing is... Look, 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 I work with a guy... That smells like old, fucked up, disgusting rental carpet. Yeah. Like if you took a trailer floor and 19 dogs pissed on it and 18 cats shit on it and a pig came all over it and no one ever did anything to it and it just sat there and then someone else rented to it and put their asshole sweat all over the floor for an entire year and then a new resident moved in and covered it in just fucking dried up cum and then the next day someone came in and rolled their laundry in it and did a fucking 90 minutes of hot yoga that's what this guy smells like and I, it makes me, it infuriates me. I want to fucking kick him in the head. So just you, because I smell him. Hold on. Okay. Just because I smell him. And you got to think that that guy smells great in comparison to a three-week-old corpse. Uh-huh. So whenever you roll dried out cum onto a carpet, is it pre-dried? <laughs> is it like duct tape? <laughs> That's what I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> what a hilarious fucking round to take. I mean, yeah, I mean, but... <laughs> You know, think about it like this, too, is the dude was bashing in faces and busting yeah, loads in them. Sure. You can't do... I mean, like, to me, the smell of a dead body is oh, way I better. I don't know what a dead body smells like, it's but... It's bad. <laughs> blood, blood smells bad. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's horrible. It's all bad. It's but if all you, bad. But the... But like the, a steak? The like, view of, like, a fucking smashed in face and then yeah. the smell of a dead body. I oh, would rather it. pick the smell of a dead body than a smashed really? in face. He yeah. likes it all. The smell of a dead body is fucking horrific. For three weeks? Man, three like listen. Yo! I smelled one after six hours. And you and you got a whiff of it. And it was listen, it was bad. So you I'm talking about three weeks of rotting flesh. Yeah. yeah. He had sex with that. Mine was He fun. put it in, he drove six hours with it. Yeah. Mine and was probably rock hard the whole time. Yeah, mine was from uh, somebody hanging in a closet and cutting, cutting the shit off of them and then their air that they had trapped in breathing into my face shit. when I went to go resuscitate them. And that was one of the worst shit. smells that there is. I can't even imagine. Three weeks? Three yeah. weeks is bad. A smashed face? That's what the fuck. Uh, you visually see that and you can That's come. what I'm saying. Like, that's, that's, I mean, you know, the, why do we do this podcast in addition to all the other resources that are there, including the Netflix thing? Because they aren't going to take a second. 
to think about the depravity. Like how like bad smells fuck me up. Yeah. Good smells fuck me up. Like if someone puts on too much perfume or there's a strong incense or like a strong air freshener, I get a headache. Yeah. My head hurts. Having sex with decomposing flesh. Unbe- unfathomable. Yeah. Unfathomable. Yeah. Unfathomable. I cannot I can't wrap my fucking mind around it. It sounds terrible. I I, I think it's terrible, but I have no idea yeah. what that's like. I, 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 with I, I, the I, sin of like with bowels and guts, but also shit smell. <sighs> even after six hours is bad. Jesus. Three Christ. weeks. I, this one is it's absolutely fucking insane. Three weeks. Uh let's just keep moving. April sixth, Denise Lynn Oliverson. She's twenty five years old. She's abducted near the Utah, Colorado border in Grand Junction, Colorado. A very active community. She's riding her bike to her parents' house. They don't ever find the body, but her bike and sandals are found under a bridge. She's never found again. Lynette Culver on May 6th, just one month later. He's in that month period. I mean, exactly one month later, he kidnaps 12-year-old, very sad Lynette Don Culver from Alameda High School in Pocatello, Idaho. She's drowned and sexually assaulted in Ted Bunny's hotel room in a bathtub. Terrible. Throws her into a nearby river. Mid-May, not even a full month later, three of Ted Bunny's Washington State co-workers, including Carol Ann Boone, stay with Ted for an entire week at his place in Salt Lake City in his fucking apartment where he, again, had sex with a three-week-old corpse. And then right after that, he goes back to Seattle to spend a week with Klopfer, and they talked about getting married to one another. And Bundy, of course, said nothing about being with Boone, which just just, just to, like, I feel like you know this from following the case, but that is also his girlfriend. Yeah. What the fuck? All this is going on, just to circle it back to the first episode where I said it's absolutely insane to me that in 2019, looking back at this time, there's no phones um, no text messaging, no cameras, no social media. How could you date? How could you be married? How could you try to marry somebody and date somebody else? How could you do that? Let alone the fact that this guy is having sex with corpses. Yeah. So he's well, getting away with yeah, everything. Yeah. Well, think about it like this, which is in high important, which is going to make him land in the field of where he wants to be at. He wants to make money. Correct. He wants to look good. Yeah. So he's going to go with the person that he's going to marry. Yeah, well, and also, you know, the only reason... The other one's probably just a dirty talker. It makes him come fast. Yeah, well, I don't know. You know, I mean, the main thing with Cloffer is, you know... Both Bo- Bo- Boone, Boone's for money. Cloffer yeah. he went back to because he saw her again after she left him for being a shithead. Yeah. And, he, and she was attracted to him again because he lied about what he was he's doing. He's a fucking asshole. Yeah, of course. But, but, but he lied about what he was doing and she was impressed by it. He started dating her again just to prove that he could. Yeah. Just to prove it. Uh, and of course, you know, she doesn't tell him that she's called the cops on him three times by now. And uh, she doesn't know anything about Boone. Uh, June 28th. Both women have tasted dead sex dick. Think about it. If you're a serial killer, let's be honest here. We ready? 
We're drunk enough. We can talk about this. I don't know, man, because <laughs> keep in mind where you're, where you're putting it. <laughs> I know that. Listen, my wife knows that I was a piece of shit. Yeah, I'm not worried yeah. about your wife. I'm worried about all the other people that were just too <laughs> hey, fucking. But, I mean, other, yeah. <laughs> so, have you ever had sex with a woman when you were a young man and then went over to another woman's and she gave you a blowjob? Oh, like, hell yeah. Uh, you yeah. already know this. You're asking me this. I've got, yeah. my, my, I've got up so, to three in one day. So, that dude is there, but with yeah. dead bodies. <sighs> Chances are, if you're wild as fuck, and you're like, man, I like to fuck. Okay, yeah. cool. That's great. Listen. Yeah, but like- I There's wanna, no sex shaming sure, here. Sure. He probably took pride. I didn't take pride in it. It just happened. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. my hygiene wasn't too tight back in the day. Oh, I did in the same day. Oh, I did three in the same day. That's wild. You already know about this. Yeah, yeah, I know, but that's wild. You know. But it, but it wasn't like, I was not, my, my frame of mind was not like, man, I can't wait to take the smell of this lady and and put it in this lady's ass and then so hot though lady. right uh, i didn't think at I, the time I, it I, was I, yeah I, honestly it was like a struggle like it was just circumstance we but we come from both it, it, it was yeah. circumstance because the first one i was dating planned on yeah had sex with them and then i just went to to go work out yeah with sex stick i like oh, i still yeah. i still like doing that i like to have sex okay. And then not wash, and then yeah. go to work the next day and smell the sex. When That's I why pee. we have itchy cocks. <laughs> I like to have sex, and then go to work the next day, and then smell it when I pee. That's cool. Like yeah, yeah, hell yeah, 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 hell yeah. yeah. for sure. And, and, and keep in mind, <laughs> that's I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean that, that's ten years of marriage. Like it's, yeah. I'm still like I like my wife so much that I'm still on that plane. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. But I, I'm, but like back in the day, like it just happened. Like we spontaneously, the girl I was dating, I had sex with her. Went to work out. Went to went to work at a bar that night. And had sex with somebody else. Passed out. Yeah. The next morning, someone that I had been fooling around with got a hold of me. I didn't think about showering. They came over. I fucked them. Yeah. Three. Disgusting. Horrible. Yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah. I was I was never like it was never a thought in my mind where I was like hell yeah. I'm well, fucking- <laughs> well, you were showering when you boned, right? No, dude. Okay. Hell no. But I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But we come from up like I was gross. We come from like an upbringing of like fucked up mom, so it makes sense, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and for him it does too. But like there's a there's a vast difference in what he did and what we did. Absolutely. Well, he's intentionally doing it. Man, fucking a dead body is next level. Dude, dude I, I'm still... You gotta like, fucking... I'm never gonna get past the three-week shit. Yeah. Like, da, 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 da. You gotta, like, crack the kneecaps <laughs> to open them up. Stop. Stop. To fuck them. <laughs> You're going back to our ICP Shout out to episode. Joe's Crab Shack. <laughs> <laughs> Ew, you gotta dip them in uh, fucking... You gotta dip the in clarified butter. butter. <laughs> you take all the fat particles out of the butter. See, you get the solids out, and you got all the liquid left over. Yeah. Uh, so June twenty eighth. <laughs> God, it's uh, how am I supposed to talk about the rest of this, buddy? Uh, June twenty eighth. Susan Curtis is taken from the BYU campus in Provo, Utah, which is less than an hour. That's the Mormon University, Brigham Young University. It's less than an hour outside of Salt Lake City, giant university. Now, uh, she's Bundy's last recalled upon murder before that. That's the, from what he remembers, that's the last person that he killed, which is of course not true. Um, but again, he's on this duality thing. Now, Wilcox, Kent, Cunningham, Oliverson, 
Culver and Curtis never found. That's just retold in Ted's story of third-person bullshit. Uh, September 1975, Bundy literally committed to being a Mormon. He joins the LDS, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Of course. He was never active in cars still going to the temple, but you have to go through a process to convert to that. He was excommunicated in 1976 as soon as he caught the kidnapping conviction for his first crime. He reverted back to Methodist as soon as he was asked about his religious beliefs. He never admitted to it. Um, back in back in Washington, while this is going on, investigators are trying to figure out what happened, how it happened so fast, so close together. They compiled the database, and uh, then the, the, they came up with an idea. Cops pulled out their payroll computer. They pulled out property of King County and described, uh, you know, you know, like like what could have happened during that time. And when they're just trying to look through their records, it's just all bullshit. They did such a bad job of keeping track of everything that even their personal records were all fucked up is what I'm getting at. This bad police. There's terrible fucking police force. Um, they input. They took all the evidence that they had out. They went through the list. They put together lists of classmates and acquaintances and co-workers of the victims. And then also they went through all the Volkswagen Beetle owners and then they took that and tried to find anyone named Ted. They went through known sex offenders. They went through felons. They went through violent crimes. They went through drug crimes to find anything that met up with what could have possibly been that. Now 26 different offenders that fit all those parameters turned up on four separate lists. One of those guys that turned up on all four lists, Ted Bundy. Mm. And then once that happens, police say that out of all the evidence, all the things that corroborated, of course, he's at the top of the pile. And that's when the manhunt for Ted Bundy begins, which is where next week we'll get into. It'll be a week after next. Oh, that's right. Mark's going to be out of town next week. We want to make sure this is on YouTube. Shout to our producer, Mark, taking a work-related vacation. We're going to do like a paranormal crime in the midst of it to break it up a little bit. And the week after next, we'll have the conclusion of Ted Bundy, which I guarantee you we've taken different angles of the Netflix special, the movies, what everyone else is, because me and Buddy are disgusting animals ourselves, Yeah, as you've heard. <laughs> not anywhere near that. We're not anywhere near that. Yeah, of that. course not. Uh, absolutely not. Uh, I mean, you know, this is just one of those people that you want to stomp into the ground yeah, for forever. Yeah. Even though he's dead. Like, Listen, at my scummiest in life, I would have beat the fuck out of Ted Bundy. I would have yeah, whooped his fucking you, ass. You would have smelled it in the air. You would have seen a stupid fucking turtleneck That's sweater right. and been That's like, correct. yo, what are you doing walking around, you piece of shit? And then just kick his fucking ass. But yeah, so the week after this, we will have our finale of Ted Bundy. In the meantime, we'll have a fun fucking action-packed, hilarious episode for you. So stay tuned to our podcast feeds. Uh, we won't be on YouTube next week, but we will have all ten, five days a week, five minutes to bone album reviews on YouTube. So if you're not subscribed to youtube.com backslash metal dicks, make sure you do it. Because if you want to hear us talk about metal, if you want to hear us talk about other genres of music, that's where to do it. That's where we hit the musical side of us. Now, of course, we already talked about it's a true crime podcast. We equate true crimes with death metal. And with this crime, there's a song called Ted Bundy by Coven, we, which is a thrash metal band. Yeah, but whatever. We they Everyone gets it. Yeah. We synced it up with this fucking crime. And uh, we'll see you in two weeks for that. We'll see you next week for another fucking 
off-the-path crime just to give you some time to simmer and mull it over as to when Ted Bundy's going to get in police custody, go through the trials, which to me is the most insane part of this whole thing. Oh, yeah. He's a wild... I mean, you, like, the wildness that is Ted Bundy just gets in more and more insane. He's a fucking wild as fuck. insane as it gets, uh, but we thank you for tuning in. iTunes, Facebook, Instagram, if you want to check out that Patreon, warlordclothing.com to get Death Metal Dick's official merchandise high quality shit for a very low price check all that out we love you oh should shout out the patrons yeah man uh you ha- happy birthday to buddy <laughs> i guess yeah it's not till saturday february 9th is my birthday i don't give a fuck i'm 31 who gives a shit yeah once you're in your 30s it's all over baby yeah my stepson's birthday is on the 11th and uh me and him are you know, we I, I talk about like I got several soulmates, man. I always talk about me and Chris are soulmates, me and my wife are soulmates, me and my buddy Seth are soulmates. But me and my stepson, man, we get along great. He he's on the eleventh, man. We're gonna have some good shit, man. He wants to fucking celebrate his shit. On Sunday, we're gonna go to trampoline park and fucking jump around and do. I'm gonna try to do a backflip and break my fucking back. It's so, surprisingly yeah. easy to do with the fucking trampoline. Park. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, they got incline fucking trampolines. Incline trampolines, and they got a foam pit that you can flip yeah, off into. So cool, you man. just get comfortable doing a backflip. That's what last time. That's what I did. Is I ran up it, and I did a backflip, then I did a front flip, and yeah. I was like, oh, I'm good. Believe it or not, <laughs> believe it or not, old buddy Lloyd has been a gymnast. I did gymnastics as a kid. Uh, yeah, all right. Uh, so <laughs> I don't even. I mean, hey, yeah. we want to shout out a lot of people who are special to us. These fucking patrons. That have come on board and say it means the world. So it all goes to funding this fucking insane project that we do. Uh, shout out to Steven Coliga, bad motherfucker that just got on board. Heaviest Mentals back on the team. Uh, shouts to the. Oh, and also, if you guys are twenty dollars patrons, shirts are coming. God damn it! I know I keep saying it. But I just want to make sure I touch base with you. Um, we we got the shit with Warlord. I'm ordering the shirts myself to send to you. That's going through this week. And then I'll get them out to you. Oh, I think we already reached out to most of you for your size. Unless you, we got, you got a shirt from us before that. I'm just going by the size you gave me and your address. So if anything's changed, hit me up and I'll get you taken care of. If you feel uncomfortable, just hit me up your size and address. Your $20 patron. I got you. Send you a fucking shirt. Thank you for being Maybe there. Maybe you for want us. a tank top. Yeah, I mean, if you want anything different than a regular T-shirt, hit me up and I, I got you. Because my plan is, you got the old logo T-shirt. I'm gonna send you the new one. But yo, shouts to Heaviest Mental, the blog, for being on our team. They're fucking awesome. You gotta check that out on all social media. You can find Heaviest Mental. They 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 got funny fucking memes. Yeah, it's this is dude uh, Simon and uh, oh my god, dude Harlan. Yeah, both funny. Look at you, funny memes. Yeah, I'm hammered right now. Yo, shout out to my guy, Joe Simpson. My man, Ian Demir. He's been around since the fucking jump. Thank you for jumping on Patreon. Much fucking appreciated. That makes some badass laws, man. Yeah, dude. He's always posting crazy food and beer that he brews. That's that renaissance shit that I'm trying to get yeah, into. You tight, feel me? Man. Uh, shout out to Geronimo Hansen. Shout out to RoboChrist. Shout out to Brian Wiley. Uh, shout out to fucking... Jen Reyes. God damn. Thank you so much, Jen. You're cool as shit. You're funny online. Uh, shout out to Marco Polo, who fucking saw us on YouTube and jumped in. Yo, yeah. respect. Thank you so much for that shit. Uh, Brian Wiley, we appreciate the hell out of you. You just said him. I'm drunk. 
That's cool. Leave yeah. me alone. Yeah. Uh, Lacey Doyle, we love you. We appreciate you. Everything you do for us. You're That's my dog. Bad man. motherfucker. Uh, Patrick Wilding, Ronald D. Squire the Third, my man Bobby Henderson, fucking love that boy. Uh, Clayton Haynes, Alien Invasion Defense System, AIDS for short, ripping solo death metal, hell yeah. Alejandro Palomino, longtime fucking dog that we very much appreciate. Megan Beckham, Jesse Lucian, Ash Rude, old school. Yeah, having a baby. Yeah. Keep us updated on that. We're interested. Yeah, man. As kids men's ourselves, we yeah. love that shit. Yeah, love a kid, man. They're cool. Uh, shout out to Andy Campbell for being a patron and way more for helping with the fucking notes. You Yo, got Matt Miss? Andy Campbell, I'm getting there. Andy Campbell's yeah. my fucking man, dude. I got to tell you, he saves me hours on research. He's way smarter than me. We do parallel research, and then he makes things so much more concise than I possibly could because I'm dumb as shit. Even when I write, like, for myself, and I look at what I did, I'm fucking dumb as hell. I don't know if it's dumb as much as it's you guys. It's, it's like a computer with 20 fucking windows open. That's you, man. <laughs> That's true. And you don't ever get to the bottom line. Uh, local guy, my man, Jeffrey Ross. A fucking big dog that we've loved forever that you should always be mean to. Sam Talent. Sam. Yo, also shout out to my man, Dave Borey. He's friends with Sam Talent. One of the, dude, Dave Borey, one of the, with a G-B-O-R-I-E, one of the funniest fucking comics that's ever lived. Like, I've, I like, you know, like, I've been in comedy for a while, and I meet a lot of people who, like, even if they're good at comedy, they're just boring as shit when they're not yeah. doing comedy. They're whack. They're not fun to be around. Dude, Dave Borey. One of the most fun people I've ever been around. He just filmed a 30-minute Comedy Central special in New Orleans this week. It's going to be coming out soon. And uh, check that shit out. I'm telling you right now. One of the best comics. One of the best dudes. He's in our circle of friends. So be on the lookout for He's definitely top five. He's fucking hilarious, Yeah, fuck yeah. Dave Borey. G-B-O-R-I-E. He fucking rips. So that's part of our team, man. Support him when his Comedy Central special comes out. I'll keep you updated. But you got to watch it because it's not a streaming thing. So get the numbers up. Make sure that's your guy. Uh, the Bradshaw family from Northwest Arkansas has always been on our side. That's Becca, fucking Brad, Amber. You guys are awesome family. Thanks for always being on board with us. Jennifer Vale. Everyone that's fucking been around us since Jump Street. Yeah. I mean, it, this shit's crazy. It's Thank crazy, you, man. We love you. Uh, we, we, just, we try to get better and better. And uh, we thank you for the fucking motivation to do that. And we'll fucking see you next week with a goofy crime. And then two weeks from now, we'll wrap old Ted B up. Yep. Hell yeah. Ted Bung. Happy birthday, you bitch. (laughs) 